This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. Folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Phil Russian here, and I gotta tell you, it's not very fun being a gardener this time this month. It is rough. Java, I gotta ask you, man, had the birthday party with the water slip and slide go last weekend. Oh man, it was real fun. It was real fun. It was a perfect um afternoon too because it was it was hot, you know, as expected, but the water was perfect and we uh had the kids come over and it was just a good time. It was a good time. Good, good, good. Well, listen, I want to ask you something. Uh, Regarding how you're raising your kids as Southerners, when they grow up, are they going to feel like that their mother and their grandmother standing behind them going to smack them on the back of the head if they don't straighten up? Are they being raised with that kind of feeling? They better. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I, I have that myself. So many people are, you know, they write to me and they talk to me about, oh, it's just too, you know, it's, you just don't understand. I'm, I'm telling you, folks, I, I, if you have a problem, I bet I've seen it, have my own garden, or have had it. And I give the same advice to folks that I would give to myself. But keep in mind that my mother, my grandmothers, both of them, and my great-grandmother are all, all hardcore gardeners. I feel like they're standing behind me, going to smack me on the back of the head if I don't, if I pull into my pedantic foolishness, if I try to get to science. So for the next hour, let's just talk to folks like like, like gardeners rather than horticulturists. Uh, that that sound okay? It's a pretty good approach job. I don't know. What do you think? No, I think that's the way it should be. You do it very well, Felder. Well, in a little while, I've got a uh, I've got a combination. I got a real treat uh, uh, between this thing about. Uh, uh, things that answers a question that I ask and a real garden word that sounds like cussing. So (laughs) it's going to be a a combination today, but uh, we're here to talk with folks about what's going on in their garden. Just a live program, folks, if you want to give us a call. The phones are wide open. It's toll free. Uh, Let's start right down on the Gulf Coast in Hancock County. Jack, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing well, Felder. How are you today? So far, so good. Not so bad. I'm inside. Great. <laughs> well, I, I'm What's outside, up? and I, I'm staring at a little problem I've got, and I'm hoping you can lend some expertise. I have Try. a 25-year-old center of my front yard. It's a beautiful specimen, and I, I think the world of it. However, this past weekend... There's a branch extends out about, oh, I don't know, 30 feet. It's probably 18 inches by 12 inches in uh, diameter yeah. and, and thickness. And right at the base of the trunk, it just fell off. Kaboom. Now, I've chopped it up and hauled it off to my wood pile. I got that part taken care of. 
But I got a scar on this tree. Like I said, it's got to be at least 12 by 18 inches. Yeah. Um, And I'm just wondering, is there anything else I should do to uh, keep this tree alive? Well, a couple of things. First of all, there's no telling why it split off to begin with. And it could have been, uh, this is, this is, this is a big chunk of the tree. It could have been that over the years it's been beaten back and forth by wind and it got cracked a little bit and the water seeped in and decay. And there's all sorts of ways that water can get into to tree trunks and limbs and things like that just from cracking. Uh, up north is from ice. I, I believe that's that correct. Be so, so when it bends back and forth, a little cracks and fissures open, and if water and dust get in there, it leads to to, uh, to 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 decay, wood decay. There's not much we can do to help on that. We see this all the time. So anyway, here's the bottom line: if the if the if you can make the the edges of the split, you know where it ripped off, if you could smooth that off with a saw or a sharp knife to where it's a smooth cut that's sort of pointed at the top like a football shape, that way. Energy flowing from the leaves down the trunk will grow, will flow around it and heal it over real quick. I mean, that's the, you know, in other words, make as smooth an up and down cut as you can rather than just a jagged wound. Um, but other than that, there's no sealing, there's no paints, there's no pruning uh, uh, treatments, none of that kind of stuff that's wax. A lot of people recommend all sorts of stuff. None of that really works. It really is pure cosmetics. That this is old tree surgery knowledge so the best you can do is hope that it heals over as quickly as possible that means making a smooth uh, cut all the way around it and um and expect eventually for it to actually start to hollow out there and it's okay there are trees that are completely hollow that are as healthy as can be they lose a little structural integrity but that as long as the wound is not more than about a fourth or a third of the way around the tree it can heal over and be just as strong as ever. But there's no tree. You're going to find black carpenter ants. You might see termites, you, all sorts of stuff. Nothing you can really do about it. I wouldn't worry about it. I would plant a shrub in front of it so it doesn't remind you or put a little gnome out front, you know, a little concrete bunny, something to take your mind off of it and just let it go. Make this cut as smooth as you can and just let it go. This is part of being a, an old tree on the coast. It really is. That's all right. I, that's fine. You, you're actually, that's kind of what I thought, uh, except yeah. that I think I will get a chainsaw and smooth out some of these jagged edges where it's going to trap water yeah. and maybe make it that, worse. That's, that's, that, no, no, that's perfect. The, the main thing is if you can imagine food flowing from the from the leaves down towards the trunk, it only flows in that little thin layer right under the bark. The inside of a tree is dead wood, and it can completely hollow out. But as long as stuff flowing from the leaves down to the roots can flow around that wound, they'll make a nice little thick, ropey, healing, like new bark around it. If you look around old trees that have had uh, broken branches healed over, you'll see that it's called callus tissue. And sometimes it'll completely close up. So uh, that, that's make it as smooth I've, I've as possible. That on, on some live oak. Exactly. But anyhow, yeah, I appreciate your help. Thank you so much. You bet. Appreciate it. Oh, you can also put some googly eyes on it and make people laugh because that's, you know, at least you'll get that out of it. Well, I was thinking maybe I might uh, <laughs> screw a Pepsi Cola sign to it or something like that. Just cover Perfect. it over, you know? Perfect. That'll work, man. Anyway, good luck on it. You knocked that one out the park, Phil. That was a good first call. 
<laughs> well, you know, sometimes sometimes you're hot. <laughs> I don't know. I, wait, 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 wait. I shouldn't be saying that this time of year, right? Yes, because sometimes <laughs> you are hot, like if you step outside the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that might have been a little tone deaf on that one. Hey, let's 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 get away from the coast. Let's go all up to the to uh to, to Memphis, Tennessee. Good morning, Frankie. Thank you for holding. How you doing? Doing great. How are you, Elvis? Good. Fine. Trying to stay cool and hydrated. Hope you are too. Yes, you and Java both. We love you. But um, Thank you. I wanted, to, I wanted to say, um, you know, with with the freeze we had last fall that, that damaged so many things, my gardenia, my sweet olive, and my clematis, they've got long yeah. the, um, stems coming out now. You know, they, yeah. they, they survived, but uh, what can I do now? I mean, should I cut those back to about five of them only? Or so five well, main you know, you know, it, in in general, you don't want shrubs to have a whole lot of main trunks. You want to have, you know, three or four, five, six. You know, you want to thin out all that stuff so it's not a bunch of clutter. Because what's going to happen as those each every year, those are each going to get bigger around. You're going to end up with like a witch's broom. So it's better to go in and thin them out to a few really good, well-spaced ones. Uh, and you can still do that if you don't leave a stub. Whatever you cut off, cut it flush with where it's growing. Uh, if you want to thicken it back up, the ones that are left, wherever you make a cut, whether it's a foot, two feet, three feet, wherever you make a cut, the new growth comes out right there. So you may want to cut the plant back with some tall stuff in the middle, medium, low stuff. For, you know, In other words, just put it back in a layered effect rather than a straight across. You can still do that in Memphis. You know, middle of August is sort of the cutoff for hard pruning. Uh, it, whether summer bloomers like gardenias or roses or crepe myrtles, you can still prune them. Uh, spring bloomers like azaleas, sweet olive, might be a little bit late for pruning those. So, uh, you know, I would cut some of them and leave some unpruned. Then you can do the rest of them next year. But I would thin them out, no stubs, and then cut a few of the, the, the naked things back to wherever you want them to sprout back out and leave a few uncut. Let's see what happens. It won't hurt the plant to do this, but I'd get right on it and it's awfully hot out there. And and what about uh, preparing for the winter? Should I have uh, mulch right up to the, the top? Well, you know, this uh, mulch is always a good thing. You know, mulch in a ring, not a pile, not a not a volcano, not like a fire. I mean, it's good to have it spread out evenly, uh, two or three, four inches deep out from the trunk, but not on the trunk. Uh, and this is good for for all shrubs and even some trees, but. Uh, we really couldn't have prepared for this past winter, that the early hard freeze in December, that late hard freeze we had in March. We couldn't really prepare for those. Those were flukes. And as we don't have that again, your plants should be fine, just like they should have been fine last year. So it was kind of two different kind of weird, bad early and late freezes. Other than that, just mulch it, a little fertilizer in the spring, give them a good soaking every month or so if you don't get rain. That's about it. All right. Very good. Thank you so very much. Have a good Okay, day. good luck. <laughs> Appreciate Bye-bye. it. Thank you. Okay, we can be like a ping pong ball. Let's go back down to the Gulf Coast and see what's going on at Biloxi with Craig. Hey, Craig, how are you, sir? Hey, uh, good morning. Uh, I was wondering what you do for uh, lightning when lightning comes around. I, I, I learned how to do the red ant dance, but uh, I don't know what to do with the lightning. Uh, 
is there is mm-hmm. there any set things that anyone does, or like the big the big places with, with their workers or anything? No, no way. That you said you said lightning. Was it lightning or what'd you say? Uh, is there Light- any like like the big people where where they have a lot of workers out there? Uh, you know, is there any? You know, I, I've been researching for lightning. But it just tells you to get out of out of way from you know go up oh. and hide somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, lightning is such a freaky thing. Uh, you know, it can it can strike people on the beach because they're the tallest thing out there. Uh, you know, if you're on a golf course, you don't want to stand. But if you get under a tree, a tree lightning is likely to be struck. And if it gets struck, so that you know, the main thing is just try to get out from in the open and try not to stand under big trees. Uh, you know, just you know that that's just. Try to get away from lightning as best you can. Uh, other than that, there's not much. And I've seen lightning strike big trees and kill them dead as a doorknob. I've seen them strike little trees and not even leave a mark. And same thing with people. People sometimes get struck by lightning, walk away from it. Sometimes they don't. So really the best thing to do is just trying to be out in the open or under big trees or you know, holding an umbrella up in the air when it's lightning outside. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That is I mean, golfers have that problem too. I, and I did hear of one thing, that, one device that I may get, which is a lightning, uh, 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 a lightning device no. that tells you when lightning's going to come. Uh, all you got to do is listen and look. You'll know when it's coming. But lightning can strike six miles away from a storm. So anyway, I was a lifeguard for a long time. When there's lightning in the area, everybody out of the pool. And don't stand under a big tree if you can help it. Uh, this is this is just, you know, it, 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 we have a lot of lightning too, so um, it's just not not much to predict it. So is that all I've got to say on that? Appreciate that question, uh, Craig and Biloxi. Now, Felder, when you you say you've seen lightning strike big trees, kill them dead, little trees, yeah. and not leave a mark. Yeah, yeah. You know, we always read about people who get struck by lightning and they walk away scratching their heads. Some people get killed. Well, same thing with trees. Sometimes lightning can, it, what it does is when it hits a tree, it goes down the trunk. And if it's, if it's a tree is really, really wet and it's not a strong bolt, it'll go down on the outside in the water on the trunk and not do any problems. If it's a little bit dry, lightning can go in that green tissue under a bark and blow a strip off. It superheats the bark, which is what blows the, the, the bark off, you know, that little streak. That's from the, 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 the moist bark in the tree superheating, and the steam blows it off. Uh, I've seen trees split wide open lightning and live perfectly fine. I've seen trees struck by lightning, killed dead as a doorknob without a mark on it. So it all depends on the, the strength of the bolt, uh, the, the aid, the, the moisture content of the tree. But So, I mean, I see lightning damage. All the time. I, I can look at old trees and see where lightning struck it, and you can look up and down the trunk and see where the streak has healed over years ago, but it's still there. So, you know, it's just unpredictable, unpredictable. And uh, there's nothing we can do about it, really. It's, I mean, it's one of the most common frustrations arborists, uh, and, and I'm a trained arborist, have to deal with is explaining how lightning killed that tree without blowing it wide open or how it blew a tree wide open and a tree is still alive 15, 20 years later. It, it ain't no telling. Just one of those wonders of the natural world. 
Yeah, I guess it's, it's sort of like good or bad ideas. They're, they're landing around us all the time. And they affect different people differently. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I don't, okay, I don't know where that came from, but I've had good ideas and split my head wide open, and I didn't learn anything from it. And I've had some bad <laughs> ideas that were just really mild, and it really screwed me up. <laughs> and it's gotten to where Java, I can't tell the difference between a good, bad idea and a bad, good idea anymore. Well, I okay, don't. don't, don't wait, wait. <laughs> we have Jeremy in Mobile who wants to ask you a question. Let's let's go tend to Jeremy okay. before we go to break. Jerry Java said, "Move along, fellas. Get back to business. What you got going on today?" <laughs> All right. Hey, so I was just curious if you were aware of anyone in uh, kind of the Gulf area that is still growing um, Catawba crepe myrtles. Oh, you mean the, like the specific the, variety called crepe myrtle? Uh, no, the, no, well, it's the, 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 I guess that would be the varietal. Uh, it's like a deep purple. Uh, they used to be really popular yeah. back in the day, and now you just don't see them anymore. Yeah. Well, here, here the, the problem is there's so many really, really good cultivars of crepe myrtles, the big ones, the tall ones, the round ones, the short ones, so many different shapes and sizes. And uh, Catalpa is one of the the, uh, the variety that came out with the ones that have uh, Native American names like Natchez and yeah, Cherokee and, all those, yeah. and uh, Comanche and all like that. And, uh, you know, and, and the, those things come and go in fashion. You know, colors come and go in fashion. So it's really a matter of who's growing crepe myrtles anyway. Um, exactly, and a lot of crate, uh, a lot of the crate myrtles that that are are grown in Mississippi come from rudy cuttings from other places. So I, I just don't know. No, no way. It's like who carries a particular kind of rose? It really depends yeah. on, on on fashion. Now you know they're easy to root if you know where one is. They're really really easy to root. Yeah, I grew them a whole bunch, but I just don't have the capacity or the I, I'm afraid if I try to propagate it myself it's just going to burn up one day when I forget about it <laughs> you know, just, yeah it yeah yeah so yeah, long to are, root out from, yeah. a, from a cutting so. yeah yeah you, you you could probably go online and find something like that you know with any problem yeah. I don't know anybody in Mississippi and, and by the way I, I hate to say this because it makes me sound like a real mean guy but this new crepe myrtle bark scale, it is getting really, really serious to the point oh, yeah, where it really is. I, I, this this is almost sacrilegious, but I no longer recommend plant people planting crepe myrtles. And I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm not gonna recommend that you, you do it because this is a this is a it's a bad bug and it's all over Mississippi now, not gonna go away. So anyway, that's yeah, there's and, that. Well I I I was just trying I I got a couple in my in my in my in my back kind of area that are just so spindly and dumb looking. I wanted to just get rid of them, put in something that you know. I like the color of. Yeah, you could. It was there when we yeah. moved in, but you know. Well, you know, you you, right, you well, could reinvigorate and shape. You could reinvigorate and and prune and shape up a crepe myrtle. It is not a sin to prune a crepe myrtle tree, uh, in spite no. of what Southern no, Living says. So you know, you yeah, you can I mean, pick it up by I a little no pruning. I got no problem yeah. breaking out the chainsaw. I love doing that. <laughs> it's just one of those, you know. I don't, I don't particularly yeah. like the, uh, the like, you know, Tuscaroras and stuff like that, which seems like all that they put yeah. in my yard when they built the house. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank passion. you so much, nothing brother. But, nothing but passion. Okay. Appreciate it, guys.
horticulturists felt rushing, me and Java and all the other folks at MPB, we, we welcome to this uh, one of many weekly, daily, locally produced programs. It's all about thinking and sharing stuff. And one of the ways that I like to do it, it's a kind of a crazy thing me and Java cooked up. Uh, I used to, one is, is uh, answers to questions that nobody asks, but another is uh, real garden words that sound like cussing. And Java, I got a really good combination there. You want to hear it or you want me to explain it first? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's get with the explanation so we can leave them in suspense. Okay. There's a word used a couple of hundred years ago uh, that meant a tuft of wool. And when you gathered a lot of wool after sharing sheep, you had what they called a flocus, a tofloculate, F-L-O-C-C, late. <laughs> I'm not okay. making this up. Okay, Even, here we go. Just, uh, okay. To, to gardeners, it can be interpreted as a way to improve your heavy clay soils. Uh, clay is great for holding moisture and nutrients and big part of any kind of good garden. But clay tends to pack down really easy when you walk on it. It's heavy to dig. It drains poorly after rain. It warms up slow. It, it's just all sorts of problems with just pure clay. Uh, and the only time you can really dig in it is that little magic window between when it's not too wet and not too dry. There's a little magic moment there. Anyway, we improve clay soils by making raised beds that drain better. Uh, we grow cover crops, and then the roots of those uh, make paths in the clay for new crop roots. Uh, and we add organic matter, other stuff to fluff it up and help with drainage. But the other stuff, and this is a really cool one, is if you add lime or gypsum, of clay soil, it causes the clay particles to stick to the lime or the uh, or the gypsum. It causes it to little small clay particles to clump together into larger granular aggregates that drain better. We call that flocculation. Flocculation, deflocculate. <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, okay. Are you looking this up? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm almost scared to, man. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's okay. But make sure it's F-L-O-C-C-U-Lation. That's why I, mean, I can't, I can't oh, type so fast. <laughs> there you go. So that's where see you later flocculation comes from. Well, I just made that up. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, let's, let's help both of us out by going back to the phone. Let's go to Hattiesburg. Michael, thank you for calling. How are you doing today, man? I was asking, uh, is it too late to cut back gardenias and oleanders? Uh, no, it's, it's, getting, it's getting late to prune them back hard. Uh, middle of August is sort of the time, the cutoff date for hard pruning. But they'll actually, just like roses, uh, and summer blooming stuff actually has time to come out and, and flower again on this new growth. But really need to get right on it. And I just hate to send anybody out in the yard with pruning shears in this kind of heat. But now, it's not too late, but I'd get right on it. But I, but I should not cut them back hard. So how much are you saying I sh- that I could cut them back? Well, you, we are within the – we're at the end of, but still in the time when you can prune them back hard. Uh, you know, but just the further back you cut them, the longer it takes for the new growth to come out. And so it's going to be a gamble after about the middle or end of, of August. So you can cut them back as hard as you want right now. But uh, I'd right. get right on it. If you put it off – so, you know, as far back as you want to, but just don't get crazy. Right, right. Okay. If, you, if you can help it. I, I shouldn't say don't get crazy. If you can help it, try not to. As always, thank you. Okay. Appreciate it, Michael.
Toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring, folks. If you want to give us a call and talk about what's on your gardening mind, we'd be happy to. Uh, would like to uh, to mention that the Gestalt Gardener is on the road a lot in the fall and the spring. Got all sorts of events planned uh, for for the listening area. Most of the garden clubs, master gardens, libraries. Uh, always try to have a lot of fun, a little humor, because gardening is supposed to be as much for fun as for accomplishing things. But uh, this fall, I'm going to be in Meridian, DeSoto County, Madison, Columbia, Brookhaven, Magnolia, Arkansas, Monroe, Louisiana. I'm going to be in Noxapater, Mississippi this time next month. Uh, if you'd like to have uh, a presentation, contact your county extension office or the local library. See if we can work something up. Uh, meanwhile, if you have questions about gardening, is some things you want to, to yak about during the week, go to my blog. It has a button that says email me. It's called felderrushing.blog. Go to that. Click on email me. We'll take it from there. Now, let's slide down to, to, uh, to Mobile and talk with Gene. Gene, how are you today? Hey, man. How you doing? Doing good. Hello. What's up? Are you in, Mo- hey. you in Mobile? That's correct. Okay, yes, what's going on? Uh, uh, well, I see white hot drainage around town. They elongated, which are things that bloom profusely this time of the year and all during the summertime. And I'm just curious as how can you root those and where would be the time to do that? Uh, well, hot drainage is actually, you know, this, it, one horticulture say do it in the winter, some going to say in the late spring. They'll root <laughs> almost any time. But the trick is when you make a cutting, you want it to grow roots before it has a chance to die. And so with yeah. those big leaves, if you're going to try to root it this time of year, stick with this year's growth, the stuff that grew since spring, not the tender, floppy stuff at the very end, uh, and then strip off all the two or three of the cuttings, maybe six, eight, ten inches so long. Cut off all but two or three of those leaves and cut those where they're half as long. In other words, reduce the leaf surface. Still leaving enough leaf for them to send energy down to make roots, but not so much it sucks it dry before it can root. So if you're going to do it this time of year, stick with stuff that was, you know, that 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 grew this year, July, June, July, and cut most of the leaves off. You, you don't do it with the bloom on it. You cut the bloom off over to get one without the bloom on it. Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Go ahead and cut it off. All we're trying to do, we, you want to leave just enough leaves on there to get energy to send down to to grow roots. If you leave too much up over the top, it sucks it dry before it can have a chance to root. So, so cut right. everything off except two or three leaves and cut those half in two. And by the way, they really need a lot of humidity. So stick them in some, some moist potting soil. Put them in the area that's not full sun, you know, really bright indirect light. And then put some kind of plastic tent over it, whether it's, a, you know, make your little miniature greenhouse or a big cola bottle with the bottom cut off set over it but you know throw the cap away because you want to make it uh humid but let the heat escape out the top so cut off cola right. bottle with the top thrown away or something like that little miniature the bottom bottle, in the shade the bottom of a big coca-cola bottle in and stick it on top and of throw the and, and throw the throw the cap away. Don't leave the cap right. on it because that'll fill up heat in there. So, or or, or, or just get get you some coat get you some coat hangers and some uh, some some clear plastic bags and make you know. So main thing is humidity, like a miniature greenhouse. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've been wanting to go somewhere. I, I planted the, the little old blue ones are easier to root. You know, I've never had no trouble though. But I can't see. Yeah. Find the white ones in this place. Uh, I bought one one time. It died, so I'm gonna see if I root some. Yeah, uh, it's right. not well, the I, best I, time I of year. It's 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 not the best time of year, Gene. 
but it can work. Best All time right, to be in the wintertime, late spring. Okay, good luck on it, man. I appreciate it. If I don't, I'll do it next year. Bye. <laughs> All righty. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So, Java, man, it's been a, it's been wild. I'm still in England, in case you can't tell. Um, still cool over here. But I've got uh, some of the neighborhood kids. I've got some uh, uh, some homeschoolers, some young teenagers, and uh, they're coming by. If it doesn't rain, they're coming by every week or two to make sure my potted plants aren't too dry. But other than that, I empathize with people who have too many plants to water in this kind of heat. Uh, I try to limit my plants. If they can't make it over the years, I basically replace the plants that can't take the weather, and I replant with things that I'm not going to be too disappointed if they don't. I try to plan for summer drought instead of setting myself up for dragon hoses. I guess that's what I'm saying. And that's where your genius, honestly, Felder, that's where your genius come in at because a lot of people, I think they kind of, as they say, uh, overshoot the moon or something because they're trying to get all these nice, beautiful flowers that are you know come into their garden but they really can't maintain them and then with this heat it's just not even practical to try to maintain them and they get set up for failure well yeah you know java is it's like watching cartoons for fast food or you know it's like it's like any kind of media we are exposed to beautiful gardens and we want to have those and it's okay to window shop window shopping is fun but you don't have to have everything that your heart desires and if you can limit yourself to mostly stuff that does well you know just blue jeans and t-shirts and tennis shoes and it's nice to have a nice suit out there but if it gets a little tearing or something you still got your blue jeans to put on so the main thing is try not to set yourself up to become for your garden to be a taskmaster set yourself up where your garden works for you and the worst times of the year to be out there is in the heat of the late summer or in the rains of the midwinter. So I try to plan to have stuff blooming at those times that will take it. And then I have my fun stuff in the spring and the fall when it's easier to garden. So, you know, try to minimize the stuff that gives you problems and well, accentuate the positive. There you go. I should have had that as a tune today. Uh, meanwhile, John, I want to let you know what, what I've been up to. I'm going to a, another flower show next week, the Southport Flower Show. It's the largest non-Royal Horticulture Society flower show in England uh, next week. I, I actually gave a lecture there last year. And I'm uh, going to get some ideas by local folks, real people who really do stuff in their own gardens, really clever ideas, including some that I've decided to work into my own program. Uh, meanwhile, I do a lot of walking around the moors. I'm up in northern England, got these low hills that are covered with blueberries and literally covered with wild blueberries, raspberries, blackberries. Right now the plums are coming in. Everywhere you go, there's fruit going along these these footpaths. Uh, and nobody gets them but me, I guess. I've had about all the raspberries and blackberries, about to have about all the plums I can stand. But one of the things I had, Java, have you ever had a scotch egg? You know what a scotch egg is? No, sir. What is that? It's sort of, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we were hungry. Uh, our mother, we'd go on camp. Was, my mother would bake us a sweet potato. We'd keep it in our, our pocket. You could munch on a sweet potato when you're hungry. Well, what they do in, in, uh, in Scotland and northern England and Wales, they have this thing called a scotch egg. It's, it's shaped like a baseball, but it's smaller. It's a lot bigger than a golf ball, but not as big as a baseball. Basically, what they do is they... They take a, a, a hard-boiled egg, and they roll it and wrap 
tightly the sausage mixture around it. You know, they just completely wrap it all the way around in a real spicy uh, sausage mixture. Uh, and when I make them, by the way, I put a little Tabasco and a little garlic in it. And then you roll that in kind of like a cornbread batter and you bake it. So you have something that's almost the size of a baseball that's layered baked cornbread like a hush bacon on the outside, a nice thick coating of, of uh, spicy sausages around a boiled egg. And they call it a scotch egg. And they're just, they're fantastic. Uh, I bet you could probably fry one. I'm not sure. Just not sure about that. But See, that's the anyway, Mississippi coming uh, out right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bake it. It's too hot to bake. We're going to fry stuff. We'll throw, throw the, it's like a hush puppy wrapped around a sausage wrapped around a boiled egg. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to bring that up on uh, Deep South Dining on Monday. That that sounds good. A, a scotched egg. Scotch egg, that's right. And uh, they're, they're comfort food. You buy them in storefronts, you know, just like, like we buy, you know, you go into a 7-Eleven and they got the fried chicken and stuff like that. This, these, they have scotch eggs. Throw in your pocket, take one off down the road. <laughs> anyway, um, we've got a, 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 an intern named Tim who's a phone greeter today. He's going back to Xavier University this fall. So, Tim, we appreciate all the stuff you've been doing at MPB and being our phone greeter today. Folks, if you want to give us a call and say hey to Tim and wish him luck when he goes back to Xavier University this fall. And meanwhile, let's all slide up to Columbus, Mississippi, talk with Greg. Hi, Greg. Good, good, good morning. How are you? I'm okay. Good morning. What's going on, Tim? Happy for you, man, that you got everything going on that straight and narrow. There you go. Uh, I got a few questions. Well, let's see. Okay. When is the best time? When is the best time in Columbus? This will be my first time ever trying a garden. Or it'll probably be next year. But when is the best time uh. to plant? I know tomatoes and cucumbers and all that, you know, they grow regardless to me, but when it comes to like watermelons, cantaloupes, honeydew melons, you know, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, you plant those. And by the way, those those take a long time. Uh, things like tomatoes and peppers, you can just set those out. You grow those in pots if you want to, and you can still plant those. But uh, the vine crops, all the different melons and things, they take a little bit longer, and they they need a lot of room to run. So the ideal time to plant them is. Not too early in the spring. A lot of people plant early, but what happens is the ground and the rain is still cold. So let's wait till April. Make yourself wait. Everybody else is planting in March. Uh, uh-uh. they're just they're, they're crazy. Wait till April when the dirt is warm, <laughs> and then if you if you plant seeds in, they'll jump. I mean, the, the they they love warm. I mean, these these plants are from 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 the the hottest part of the world, uh, South America, Africa. China, they're from the really warm parts of the world. So let's wait till the soil warms up. You want to kind of work the dirt up a little bit. Plant it where there's, I don't care how many seeds you plant, but when they sprout, cut out all but two or three of them so that they all have elbow room and give them room to run. They're going to have to have room to run. If you don't have a big yard, you might want to look uh, for some of the dwarf varieties, some of the bush type. They have bush type melons. They don't, they're not bushes, but they don't run halfway to the street. So look for different varieties. And all those are planted in generally April in the Columbus area. You can wait as late as May if you want to. Okay. I, uh, another thing well, I wanted to ask, how do, how do I keep the grass down from growing up uh, in, in light plants? No, here, here's a couple of things. Keep in mind that all of us experts, we got grass too. So that if there was something easy, 
I do it. But what I do is I pull as much as I can or I chop it up. And I actually have a, it's an old, this sounds so old school, but it still works. I have a hoe, but I don't chop. You know, chopping is for, you know, that's crazy. What I do is I, I sharpen the blade and all you do is you just scrape it across the top and it's sort of like shaving. You don't want to shave with a raggedy old razor. You want a sharp razor. But if you get a hoe, okay. all you got to do is just scrape it. And it, it cuts the plants off without turning dirt up with more seeds. But a lot of people put mulch around their plants, grass clippings, leaves, bark, stuff like that, to kind of cover the ground up. That keeps the weed seeds from sprouting, and it keeps the ground cool. You don't have to water as much. So after you plant, kind of work it up good, put you some mulch around the plant. Even if it's something like folded up pieces of newspaper, uh, anything to cover the dirt up, where water and air can still get down to it, but sunshine can't. That helps a lot. Oh, man, I appreciate that. I'm going to try it next season, and hopefully. And Mr. Oh, K, oh, man, oh, I love oh. your show, man, because you, you're the reason why I want to do a garden, just because of how you explain things. I'm listening. Okay, well, hey, hang on. I, I'm not letting you go yet. We're not waiting till next year. I mean, we're, uh-uh, we're not doing that. We're going to jump on it next month. You get you some five-gallon buckets or go to a garden center, get some old throwaway cheap cans, buckets, put your little stuff in it, and this, this winter, grow you some stuff that's, that grows all winter long, and then not only have something sort of get your juices going, got something produced, something you can eat, but in the springtime when it's time to plant your other stuff, your dirt is already there. You don't have to start over from scratch. And we've got plants you can set out the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, but since it's a hot and all and you're just kind of getting started, I wouldn't want to do that to anybody. Wait until uh, September or so and put you out this plant called kale, K-A-L-E. It sounds kind of crazy. People are going to make fun of you because it ain't normal. But kale is a, it's sort of like a modern version of collards. It's pretty plant. You can break the leaves off and eat them. Uh, you, know, you can put them in soups or whatever, chop them up in salads, but they're pretty and they grow all winter long. So you got something to kind of keep your keep your juices going. But kale is a okay. really, really easy plant to grow over the wintertime. So don't wait till okay. spring, man. Let's jump on it. But just not right now. I don't want to do that to you. I, I want you to stick okay, around. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> I got okay. you. That I will do unless I'm dead. Hey, uh, I surely appreciate that. And uh, y'all keep up the good work. Okay, Greg. Hey, appreciate you tuning in, guy. Appreciate it. How about that, Java? I like it, and I like that you said, no, 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 we're not going to wait. Let's get we to it. Let's get to it now. No, no, Greg. We're gonna, no, I don't know what the what what the phrase is, but no, we're not gonna we're not gonna put it off. We're jumping in on this. There's got to be a better phrase for that, but you know what I mean. Meanwhile, hey, let's slide way on up north now to Boonville. Talk with Barbara. Hey, Barbara, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm on the know if it's too late to prune blackberries. What, when to prune them? Yeah, is it too late? Uh, wait, you, yeah. it's not too late. It's not. It's not too late to prune them. You know, did did you have a pretty good crop this year, or, or the weather too bad? No, we had a good crop. Okay, here's the deal. The the parts that you picked on this year, the long canes that had blackberries, they're just going to turn into just brambles. The new stuff that came up this spring, that's going to have your berries next year. So what I would do is I would cut out the big, long, tall brambles, 
And then whatever's left that grew this year, I would just cut it back a little bit. Uh, it's not too late, but I get right on it. That way it's got time to branch out, put out some new growth the next couple, three months. You'll have more berries next spring. So cut out the old brambles, snip the tips off the new growth, but try not to put it on. I, I know it's hot, but, but try to get on this as soon as you can. It's not too late. Okay. Well, thank you. And, all right. Appreciate it, Barbara. Thanks for your call. You know, job I keep telling people is it's not too late, but it is not fun out there right now. It is not fun. But take heart. This is the second week in in August. That means in two weeks it's going to be September, and that gives us hope. It's still going to be hot and dry. But I would like to, to remind people that there's some really cool plants out there that don't need watering. Uh, I've seen a lot of people post pictures of their lantana that are completely covered with butterflies. We're starting some of our native fall wildflowers are blooming. One of the very best, and we often overlook it because it's so common, is goldenrod. Goldenrod is a fantastic native perennial. It's a pretty flower. It grows well. Uh, it is an excellent cut flower for, for, for putting on the altar at the church. Uh, it's one of the best pollinator, butterfly, bee, flies, all these pollinators and things that eat pollinators. It's like a whole little world out there on goldenrod. People say it spreads too fast. Well, you just pull it up. Your eyebrows need plucking time. you got to shave time to time. Goldenrod is really easy to pull up all but just a handful of plants, and you've got an incredible plant this time of year that doesn't need watering. So we got a lot like that. And if you'd like a list of really good plants that grow well in Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, shoot me an email. I've got a really good list I've been working on for 40 years uh, of good plants, good garden plants. Uh, go to feldrushing.blog and click email me. And Meanwhile, uh, we got time to go up to Tupelo and talk with David. Hey, David, thanks for holding Thank you. Um, my gladiolas are just blooming, and the leaves are very unruly and not very pretty. Um, but yeah, what kind, I, I, what, don't what, know, what, I don't know when to cut them back. Okay, what kind of plant was it again? It's a gladiola. Oh, gladiola. Yeah, they, they're going to go down. You know, gladiolas, uh, you know, they come up in the, the, the late winter, early spring. They flower, and then they start dying down about now. They don't last all, all, all summer they don't so they're going to start looking pretty ragged um and your your choice would be to as soon as they start turning more brown than green just cut them back they'll come back fine some of my early glad elders are long gone i cut you know they're, they're cut down you know uh, late june first part of july they're cut down because they're they're there's just sort of uh spring early summer stuff so don't try to keep them some will keep their foliage a long time but a lot of them won't when they start looking bad just cut them down all right. One other quick question: How common is uh -huh. it for a red, a red, hardy hibiscus to have a certain section of the plant that also has white blooms? Uh, what what kind of hibiscus is it? The kind with the big frilly leaves? Some people call it uh, Confederate rose. Or I'm not sure. Or is it the one it's, it's, it's a deep red. Well, there's a, a big bloom. Yeah. There, yeah, there's a whole lot of different kind of hibiscus out there that are hardy. A whole bunch of some are hardy up in Iowa, uh, and some are some are native. So without knowing which one, I'm not sure. But um, phew, 
I've already forgotten your question about it. What was the question? Yeah, I, the question was, there's a certain section of that plant that also has white blooms. They're, they come back every oh, year okay. white in that one okay. section. Yeah, well, a couple of things. It could be that when when the plant first came up, when we first got it, it had more than one in there. Cause a lot of these, there's a lot of seedling variation in, in, in wild plants. Uh, you know, you can throw seeds of four o'clocks out there that are all red. Next year, there's going to be some yellow ones in there. So it's not unusual for there to be what they call seedling diversity. Uh, plants from the same yeah. uh, seed pod can have different genetics according to pollination. Also, a lot of hybrids started out as a branch on one plant that came out a different color, and people cut that off and rooted it and have just that color. And sometimes part of it can revert back to its original parent. So there's a spontaneous uh, uh, mutation, I guess. And sometimes they revert yeah. back. So there's all sorts of – follow that plant back all the way down to where that branch starts to growing. And if it, and it goes all the way back down to the soil, that means it was a, a, a diff, two different seedlings in the same pot or the same plant. But if it just branches off of a branch that has red on there – You've got a mutation. You can actually cut that off and grow it as its own plant, all white or all red. Yeah, I think it's kind of unique, so I, I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, you're, you've heard of golden delicious apples. Every yep. every golden delicious apple on earth started out as one branch on a red delicious apple in a field, an orchard of red delicious apples. The farmer noticed that one branch had yellow apples on it. He cut it off rooted it and that's where all the golden delicious apples on earth came from spontaneous and you've sort of seen something like that nice okay thank you very much you're very knowledgeable okay i appreciate it your show thanks big Kyle. thank you oh java we need to quit real quick while i'm sort of ahead well uh, (laughs) thankfully thankfully we're at the end of the show (laughs) yeah you know and uh and i appreciate you letting me get by with talking about about Soil flocculation. Only on public radio are you going to hear people talk about stuff like that. Only on Mississippi public broadcasting. You're going to have folks talk about real-life stuff in real-life time in your neck of the woods. So stick with us, folks. Um, We're going to be back every Friday, rebroadcast on Saturdays, and there's a podcast. Go to mpbonline.org, and you can download this podcast, which is the most listened to that we have. So meanwhile, if you get a chance this week, I know it's hot. I know it's miserable. Go to a farmer's market. They're out there right now harvesting stuff to take to the farmer's market tomorrow on Saturday. And if you got some kids, take them with them. Let them meet the people who grow the stuff that we take for, for granted, including a lot of heirloom plants. If nothing else, get them to get a big pot full of stuff and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.